Making the community a healthier place is always at the forefront of what we're doing at the Portage Health Foundation. And one of the ways we're doing that is with the PHF podcast. I'm Michael Babcock, and I host this podcast where we tell the stories of the people, organizations, projects, and events that are focused on improving the health of our community. From meeting the people behind the scenes at our farmers markets, understanding more about our local education, emergency services, nonprofit, or criminal justice systems, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Simply search Portage Health Foundation. Welcome to another edition of Copper Country Today. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Glad that you're along. We're brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation, and you can learn more about them at phfgive.org. I do want to add a program note as we get started this morning. Next Sunday is Christmas. The following Sunday is New Year. Happy holidays to all. We will not be broadcasting programs on Christmas Day and on New Year's Day. Just kind of figured that the listenership would probably not really be there and uh, not necessarily fair to have guests come in for programs that aren't going to have our regular uh, level of listenership. So we're going to take a couple of weeks off and we will be back on Sunday, January 8th. It's getting cold across the Copper Country. You may have noticed that things are a little chillier and it it just just happens every winter. There are, of course, as we get into winter, people who have trouble paying the heating bills. Heating bills are going up and inflation has raised the price of pretty much everything else this year. There are a number of programs across the area and across the Upper Peninsula that can help with heating bills. One of them is uh, run by Whoopeter, the Western Upper Peninsula Planning and Development Region. And Lisa McKenzie, who's kind of heading that up, joins me for the program this morning. Lisa, welcome in. Well, thanks for having me again, Todd. It's a pleasure always to uh, visit with you here at Copper Country today. Explain, first and foremost, what the Western Upper Peninsula Planning and Development Region is. We tend to call it Whoopeter for short. Oh, yes. We, we also call ourselves Whoopeter. It's just a lot easier than going through the very long name of the Western UP Planning and Development Region. You need big business <laughs> cards for this. Yes, you do. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, Whoopeter has been around since 1968. And generally what we do is we do a lot of planning functions for the entire Western UP. We cover six counties, uh, Baraga, Houghton, Gogibic. Iron, Keweenaw, and Ontonagon counties. So we're one um, of the planning regions um, across the uh, state. There are three in the UP. There's one in central UP and one in the eastern UP. So we're, you know, we're the folks that uh, help communities um, with their planning uh, processes, um, and we pursue different grant funding to enable us to to assist um, and administer those grants for communities um, when they're looking for state funds. We're Sometimes I, I like to think of it as we're a liaison between the local governments and the state um, and some of their funding. Um, yeah, people talk about grants as if grants are kind of easy things that are hanging out there and you need something <laughs> done in the city or the village or the township or the county. You just go out and get a grant and you see it plucking on a tree there and you, you, you bring it down and you bring it back home. Uh, right. There's a whole lot of work that goes into putting together grant proposals, finding funding for these kinds of things. And a lot of it has to be done well in advance of even thinking about asking for it. Well, exactly. And um the reason we're together today is because of one of the grants that Whoopeter did pursue that is specifically designed um, to help our aging housing stock and the homeowners that, that live in those homes that have been affected by the coronavirus. Um, and it's it's a really um, 
diverse and very uh, good program that we've applied for. Yeah, this has, this has been a growing problem here. I'm hearing more and more about it in the Copper Country, and it's something that I think we're facing for the first time since the mines shut down, and that is we start to have a bit of a housing shortage here in the area. For years after the mines closed down, people moved away. We had more houses than we needed. Other places in the state have had this housing problem for a long, long time. Now suddenly we have it here. We're looking at not enough houses and also a lot of housing stock that's a lot older than you find in a lot of other areas of the state. Oh, that is certainly true. I would say that according to some of our work and the the study that we uh, produced this last summer that we worked over almost two years on, um, the the housing study and strategy that was published in August, uh, there's a lot of information about the age of our housing stock, about you know, how workforce housing, attainable housing is, we're in a critical need. And it's just not us, it's across the country. Um, And, you know, there's been a lot of wonder, why did we, how did we get to this point? Um, You know, because we're all used to seeing older homes. We're thinking, oh, we have plenty of homes for people to you know, support our population and maintain. But there's there's factors such as tourism. You know, we've had um, many more short-term rentals, uh, and you know, they're they're important for the tourist economy. So you know, we found that many short many homes were purchased, renovated, which is fantastic for the housing stock that we do have to have them renovated. Um, and they turn into short-term rentals. However, hopefully, eventually, those homes will return to the long-term rental uh, stock that we are in so need in need of here in the community. Yeah, I am stunned at the number of buildings, not just houses, but now commercial buildings I'm seeing are being revamped into B&B, Airbnb places, things like that, where people are coming up and they're using them for these short-term rentals. That you're right, takes that out of the regular housing market then. Right. So it does It does create stress to the long-term rental market, which has, you know, s- simple uh, economics of supply and demand. When you have fewer long-term rentals, it does put a strain on long-term rentals. In the same frame, it, you know, the um, attainable housing, the prices of real estate have gone up, and so it makes homes much more expensive. And harder for people to afford. Um, And that's a product of a lot of the coronavirus and some of the um, kind of we were discovered, you know, remote work, um, people returning to the area to be able to work and live and feel that it's it's a great place to, to live. And it's a great problem to have, but it does create some problems. Well, if you have a house and the value is going up, that's a that's a good thing. It's a good thing. But one of the things that happens when the housing values goes up is rents tend to follow. So even people who are renting apartments now are paying more than they were paying five or six years ago. Oh, certainly, certainly. And the, the housing prices and the demand on the housing, um, it's it's very stressful uh, for the housing market to have so much demand and very little uh, uh, inventory. Well, and because we didn't need a lot of housing here, for a long time. Right. One of the things I noticed when I moved here, and I grew up in the building business, I spent some time out of radio mm-hmm. selling real estate. One of the first things I noticed is there's not a lot of new construction 
that goes on here. In other areas of the state, you'll have builders that are putting up spec houses. We're going to build it and then sell it. Nobody right. does that here. Right. We're, you know, obviously, there are people who have new homes built. They contract for them. But there's not a big, uh, big pool of new construction that's ever been available here. Oh, that's correct. And especially for the middle-income uh, workforce, that is the crisis that we're facing. It's that what some of our colleagues in the business, and we call the sweet spot, you know, those homes priced between one hundred to two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Very difficult to have brand new construction. So that that's when we turn to look at our existing housing stock, and uh, approximately forty percent of our housing stock was built before nineteen forty, um, and approximately 60% was built before 1960. So that that is a critical issue. So the program that we discovered and we found um, that was being presented by the Michigan State Housing and Development Authority, or known as MISHTA. MISHTA, yes. We have Whoopiter, <laughs> we have MISHTA, we have... All these great, um, you know, short names for some of these uh, uh, authorities that, are, that yes. are out and about designed to help people in the community. They had received some funding from the um, American Rescue Plan from the United States Treasury. ARPA. ARPA. Well, yeah, <laughs> the American Rescue Plan. Um, and it was it's tied to coronavirus uh, state and local funding. So we were able to apply for a grant that deals with home energy uh, efficiency because everyone, no matter who you are, we have suffered uh, increased prices, um, you know, changes in our work work life, uh, things that occur that put stressors on our our household income, and so we found this program, and they were offering grants, and we decided at Whoopiter that we were going to apply for this grant. Um, there was about twenty eight point five million available. Uh, statewide outside of the uh, Detroit metro area. So, um, you know, we just said, wow, we've got to really work on this because people really need their homes. They need help um, in their household income levels to be able to afford to repair their homes. And we decided to apply for funding for um, roof repairs or replacements, um, insulation, new windows, um, and um, new furnaces, and also um, water heaters. So those are the things that we're focusing on with this grant. So we applied for this grant in August, and we were awarded $500,000 for four counties. Um, we are serving Barraga, Houghton, Iron, and Kewanee counties. Um, and but that's not our entire region. There's Gogibic and Antonin counties, and they're being served by the Gogibic Antonin Community Action Agency, and they received okay. they received three hundred thousand dollars in funding. So, folks that are interested in their programs need to contact them if they're in the Antonin or Gogibic counties. So, um, you know, our our focus was to really um, look at as getting many people as we possibly could to apply for these funds for a couple of reasons. One. Um, this process that we're in is by lottery. So, you know, you put in your application um, online, and um, we accumulate all of those, and those are uh, go through Mishta first level, and then they come to us. And then in the end of January, we're going to do a lottery of all the p applications 
that come in. The reason we can't fund everyone is because this program, which is the wonderful thing about it, is you can have multiple things repaired of all those five things that I mentioned. Um, and we'll finance up to, up to $25,000 per household. Is there a matching amount that the homeowner needs to put up? No. no okay. There is not. Um, it's a hundred percent grant. There are no liens on their home. Um, this is funding to help energy efficiency, to help them stay in their homes, to be able to afford these repairs that they've not that have the cost has increased, and also help with their energy efficiency and lower their energy costs. We're also partnering partnering with our uh, utilities. Um, and they have some great programs to assist us as well. Um, so, and also New Power Tour. And we're also, uh, those that are granted the funds will receive a full house um, audit, uh, energy audit, so that they'll know where the issues are in their home. So we're really excited about the, the things that we can do for, oh, 19 to 20 homes. Um, we, we're hoping that we can stretch the funds, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, because, I mean, half a million dollars sounds like a lot of money, but there are a lot of houses that need a lot of work in our region, and these older houses tend to be the ones that don't have insulation or have minimal insulation. My house, frankly, is one of those nearly 100 years old at this point, and uh, I keep the heat very, very low because it's just leaking out all over the place. And, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and uh, it's expensive to have this worked on, but it's expensive to keep going. Price of natural gas is going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, UPCO has a rate increase pending that's going to be addressed by the Public Service Commission next year, so that's going to hurt a, a little bit more, price of fuel oil and then such. All of that is going up. If you can make your home more efficient, you can save a considerable amount of money per month now. And that's important. It's really important. So that's that's why this is tied to um, energy efficiency, and those are why those improvements are, is because the state realizes that the need is so great out there for, for homeowners. Talking with Lisa McKenzie from Whoopeter, the Western Upper Peninsula Planning and Development Region. I will confess that I was a little surprised to see you administering a grant to the public. My vision of your role, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lisa, is that you generally, as you explained earlier, you kind of interface with local governments. You haven't, I don't think, done a lot of this administering grants out directly to individual people and families. Am I wrong about that, or is this something new for you? Well, it's probably something, well, it's new for me, <laughs> but um, Whoopeter has for many years uh, administered different programs uh, directly to uh, those in need, usually uh, lower-income folks, to repair homes and, and um, you know, do, do home improvements. The programs have varied over the years, but that has dried up in the last few years, and no one has been doing roofs. Um, that we are aware of in the community. We, we would get calls every week, you know, are there any programs to help us? You know, our house, our roof is leaking, or our windows, or so on and so forth. And, and, and roofs have gone sky high. I did yes. put a roof on my house a few yeah. years ago. Uh, it, it cost me about double yeah. what I had anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. And so roofs are sky high at this point and terribly critical 
because if you have a problem, if you've got water coming in through your roof, the whole rest of the house is going to go downhill pretty quickly. Oh, for sure. And so the last 10 years is those funds have dried up. Where did they go? They just were not being administered, you know, from the state. There were no funds being provided to um, communities outside of your community action agencies for the very low income um, people that are, that are, you know, qualify to be, I think, um, you know, 80% of the federal poverty guidelines and that level. Um, but what's really unique about this program, we can actually um, grant these funds to people of 300% of the federal poverty guidelines. 300% above of the, the federal poverty the f- guidelines. Exactly. That includes an awful lot of families, I suspect. That's the one thing that the director from Mishta had said. She said, there, we're going to be reaching out to a good amount of population at this, these guidelines. For example, uh, the household um, income limits at 300% of the federal poverty guidelines, a single household is over $38,000. A two-member household with income um, is 52260 I would guess that if I looked at the figures, that that would be at or above the median income levels for our region. It is. It is. I believe our median income is somewhere in the the mid-40s for all of our counties. So this this is not just for people whom we generally would consider would be the targets of a program such as this. This is for people who may be in a little bit better shape financially but still need some help. Exactly. And it's a, you know, we were really excited to see this program because it was providing funding to 200 to 300% of the federal poverty guidelines. This was a new, a new issue that we were able to help folks in that middle income that exactly were affected and were not able to get that help prior. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough in middle income these days. There's, n- you know, no funding um, to help you. And so this this program will will help. Um, it is this program is available in our region for single fa- single family owner occupied housing. So proof of home ownership is key, f- and you have to own your home for about a year. Um, but many of the people that have come to us have owned their home for forty years. A lot of seniors, a lot of um, young young you know newly married people or young families. You know, it's just been very well, and, broad. And I guess that doesn't surprise me because you've got seniors who've been in a home for a long time, may not have had the opportunity over the years financially to upgrade the house. The house is now somewhat dated in terms of its technology and its insulation values and windows and things like that. On the other hand, you've got the young couples that have bought entry-level homes, and mm-hmm. those are homes that have generally just been sold off by the people who were living in them for 40 years who didn't <laughs> have the opportunity to make the investment in them that maybe they should have. So right, right. You've, you've kind of got that, uh, that that pincher on both ends of things here. Yes. Uh, it is harder and harder to keep seniors in their homes at this point. It is. And because, you know, they don't necessarily, because of, you know, many of these um, elders have pensions, Social Security, um, you know, they didn't qualify for some of these programs, but yet it was really difficult with the cost of, of aging you know, medical care and so on, it, it's hard to afford to maintain your home. And so this program is great for them. And um, we've had the opportunity to help some of those folks um, get their applications 
online. And there's a huge psychological boost, particularly for someone who's been in a home for 30 or 40 years, to be able to look at it and say, oh, I can stay here for a little while longer. I don't have to give it up because I can't afford to stay here or I can't afford to keep the home together. I'm still capable of living here and maintaining the home on a daily basis. I don't have to give it up and go live in, in, and we've got some great senior housing options here in the Copper Country, but uh, you know, if you can stay in your home, you feel a whole lot better about it. Oh, definitely. And so that's, it's, it's a great program for that. And it's so, so we're reaching out and, and it can help a lot of people. The other thing is that we feel that, um, it's important that we receive a lot of applications because we really want to show Mishta how much need we have in the Western UP. And I, I have to say, we've been very successful. We've, we're right now carrying about 10% of the state's applications. Um, that Just our little area? Just our four counties. Wow. Well, we've, we, we've, we've certainly have started to show that there's a legitimate need. Exactly, because next year there's going to be another round of funding. So we're hoping to be able to reapply for some additional funding for our communities and hoping that we can you know, utilize all those applicants and help more people. So. So we're talking energy efficiency, insulation, windows, things of that nature. Furnaces, because that's an important part of uh, not only energy efficiency, but also safety. If a furnace is too old, water heater the same way, you start to get carbon monoxide leaking out of an old uh, unit like that. You've got an additional kind of problem going on. And roofs. If someone is interested in this, how do they go about making an application? Well, the application has to be made through uh, Mishta's uh, portal. It is available. You can find it easily on our website, um, whoopiter.org slash housing. So um, it's there or doing a search with Mishta, my, M-I, hope, H-O-P-E, on your browser. Or if you have email, you can email us at um, whoopiter. Uh, you could email me at lmckenzie at whoopiter.org. You can give us a call. We'll help you and send you the the link that you need. Um, but also, we have found that some sometimes it's a little tricky for some folks to navigate or they don't have internet access. So we are going to have an applicant um, session where we will assist applicants to put their application online at our offices on on Tuesday, January 3rd from 1 to 3 at our offices um, at Whoopiter, 8th floor at 400 Quincy Street, which is the old uh, the old bank building, building yes. the old bank building um, across the from tall one, the big tall one, the brown, the all glass one. Um, we're on the eighth floor and in our conference room there. So we'll be there on the third for that. Um, and we've been uh, grateful that the Michigan Works is supplying us with some of their laptops in anticipation that we're going to need additional laptops. So we'll have uh, stations. We'll have three. Uh, Whoopiter staff to help. We'll also be doing the same session on um, in the Lance area, in the Lance Village offices. We're grateful that uh, Michigan Works and the Village of Lance uh, will be working with us on Wednesday, uh, January fourth. 
That'd be about right. Yeah, January 4th uh, from 1 to 3 um, at the village offices. And we'll be doing the same thing with the laptops. And so I've had a couple of folks already that called me that, that are aware of that and intend to, to be there. And there, you know, I just wanted to also kind of let people know that if they are going to come to those sessions, they need to bring um, proof of identification, photo ID of some sort. Um, they need to uh, bring proof of their um, income. So a tax income. return or something like a that? A tax return, um, your last pay stub that has your year-to-date date earnings, but it has to be for everyone that has an earned income in the household. So if you have two people with an earned income, you have, have to bring two, okay. even though you both may not, you don't have to be both be there. Um, you also need to bring, bring proof that you own your home and that it's basically homesteaded. So if you have a deed or a tax statement that has your um, tax bills tax. just went out. Yep. There you go. Bring it. Right, bring it in. Bring it in as long as it has uh, you know homestead on it, has your name on it, and you own the home. That's you know for this uh, this phase. That's that's good. Um, you also need to bring a picture of your outside of your house. You also need to bring your current utility bills because you know uh, we need to record that so that we can follow to make sure that everyone is, you know, if that's what they need, that they're going to have that energy efficiency because it is tied to energy efficiency. Yeah. And with that, i got to wrap things up because we're out of time here. Lisa McKenzie from Whoopiter. Go to the Whoopiter website if you want to find out more about the My Hope program, which could help you get some money to basically make your house a better place to live. Thank and, you so much. And save some money on your energy bills. We would all love to save some money. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Copper Country Today. Thank you.